one of Elvis Presley's former girlfriends, an actor who was blacklisted by the McCarthy witch hunts, and an individual whose cousin was former Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain. What connects all three of those things? You'll find out over the next 25 minutes on the first ever edition of Resonance Rewind. Yay! Little tease ahead there as we welcome Robin Pierce, uh, who, together with myself, Alex Leftuk, will be guiding you through over the next few weeks uh, and months and maybe decades, centuries, millennia, <laughs> um, through some of the quirky aspects of popular culture which you may have actually heard of, you may have actually encountered in terms of uh, television history or cinematic history and so on, but you never really had a reason to go and check them out until now. So here we are actually doing our bit for popular culture, Hollywood culture. Robin Pierce, of course, lead writer for Starburst magazine, the world's longest running magazine of science fiction uh, and fantasy. And um, Alex Leftuk, academic at the University of Lincoln. So there we are. That set the scene. Robin, isn't it exciting? We've launched a whole new podcasting show. This is amazing. And I've been so looking forward to, to today. So we're going to have some fun and hopefully well, drop some knowledge. I would hope so. So I'll start off with the uh, actor whose cousin was uh, the uh, British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain, and that was Alan Napier. That's clue number one in terms of what we're actually scoring about today. Alan Napier, a very famous Hollywood actor uh, who indeed uh, has an emergency belt buckle bat signal. That's a big clue, which is always very good in this particular episode. I think it's the first time we actually see Alfred's emergent, emergency belt buckle bat signal. Very difficult it to say, It may be actually. the only time we saw it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the actor who was blacklisted by Hollywood, Burgess Meredith, of course. Of course. And I think people are beginning to make these connections. And I think, oh, you mean Rocky's trainer? You mean the character in uh, the uh, Twilight Zone episode, uh, Time Enough at Last? You mean the chap who is actually uh, one of the trainers in Clash of the Titans? Yes. But... Or who actually rented a haunted house to Oliver Reed and Karen Black in Burnt Offerings. You see, this is it. Uh, but perhaps more famously known for his role, well, I don't know, is that he was... He first came onto my particular experience of uh, actors through this particular role. And of course, finally, the actress who was the former girlfriend of Elvis Presley, Yvonne Craig. The also former Smith. ballerina, which was instrumental in getting her the role that we're going to be talking about. So we've got Alan Napier, who portrayed Alfred. We've got Burgess Meredith, who was the Penguin. And we've also got Yvonne Craig, who, of course, was Barbara Gordon, Commissioner Gordon's daughter, and, of course, Batgirl. We can only be talking about what, Robin? Holy enigma, Alex. It must be Batman. <laughs> yeah, for a moment, I thought you were bringing in a Jim Carrey moment there, but that's for another line entirely, <laughs> you know, in terms of Ed Edward E. Enigma. But exactly. Although, curiously, the Riddler does make an appearance right at the very end of this particular episode uh, and... Uh, actually never really gives the solution to the riddle that he poses to Commissioner Gordon. It kind of just... Didn't... No, it was, it was more the, um, the fact that it was the return of Frank Fortune into the role after a rather abortive attempt by John Astin. Great Gomez, terrible Riddler. But we're not talking about that particular John Astin episode. We are actually focusing the next 20 or so minutes actually on Enter Batgirl, Exit Penguin, an episode of the William Dozier 
produced Batman 1966 series, uh, directed by Oscar Randolph, if he uh, double checks the whole thing, who's, who's still working actually considerably up until, you know, relatively, well, the end of the 20th century at least, in terms of his, his, uh, his commitments. And um, uh, yeah, lots of, I mean, the thing that struck me, Robin, when I was looking back over this episode, um, is just, you've got Hollywood royalty or connections to Hollywood royalty throughout this cast. Um, even the very, very limited Drusilla, Elizabeth Harrower, and actually went on to become one of the lead writers on Days of Our Lives, and did a whole range of other factors as well. Um, and I think for me, I will obviously invite you in a few moments to share your opinions, what really works about this episode, even when we look at it now, what is it, nigh on over 50 years since it first yeah. emerged, um, is that they actually managed to master the art, as indeed I think uh, the characters in Dina De Laurentiis slash Gordon do, of when you've got ridiculous, preposterous storylines and you're going for a camp audience, or you're going for a camp delivery, it's essential you play it straight. You play it actually in total seriousness. Well, that was it. Um, I've, I've, this was my, my big um, entrance into the world of comic books, um, which I've been a fan of uh, ever since. I was about six when I first encountered Batman. And since I've been reading a lot about it, I've seen a lot about it. And, and um, I believe that one of the, one of the prime movers in the setting up of the TV series was Adam West himself, who was a big fan of the Buster Crab, Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers movie serials of the 30s and 40s. And he loved the way that doesn't matter what the situation is, doesn't matter how bad the effects were, they always played it earnestly and straight. And he wanted to ramp that up. And of course, what they got was a phenomenon. They caught lightning in a bottle where you had a show that went out at about 7 or 7.30 in America over two nights. And the adults in the audience saw the wry humour, sometimes actually quite suggestive and rude. There was, of course, slapstick. But the small kids in the audience, who back then would have been basically yourself, they would have been us, Robin. They would have been us. That's the key thing, you know. In Britain, we saw the best superhero, and you know, he. How many kids of our generation did Adam West actually give us our moral compass? I think it was a combination of Adam West's Batman, Roger Moore's Simon Templar and probably Captain Scarlet for me that kind of did it. And maybe, maybe Scott Tracy as well. But you're absolutely right. It certainly did pave the way. And of course, in Britain, we also received it over two nights. Tune in, same bat time, same bat channel. The big difference, of course, about Enter Batgirl, Exit Penguin is being the first season, uh, or the, rather the first episode of season three, this was when they lost all the cliffhanger endings. The cliffhanger endings, which had been a, a well, fixture did, um, of one and two. They did a couple of them mm. where they brought uh, a kit in as and a Catwoman with a Lord, Lord Fogg as Londonium. Ah, um, the Londonium Latinese. A, 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 um, a little anecdote I'll share with you in, in terms of this. Ooh, when okay. I was obviously a preparatory school there, St. Joseph's Convent in Hartlepool, um, there was scorn poured on one of the young girls at the time, who was obviously about my age, would have been six or seven, and she actually perked up in a history lesson I think Americans still refer to London as Londonium, miss. 
And of course, she got it directly from the the and, and oh, it it kind of. I just felt so, so sorry for her at the time in terms of obviously the scorn that was poured upon. Oh, you've just been watching that from Batman. And, and she's, it, was, it was unfair. It was almost as though it was a case of, um, it, she was almost cancelled in an era before cancels, like, cancelled actually took on, took on board a meaning that we've got at present. So hopefully she's all right, whoever, wherever she is now. I, I actually have a similar story. There was um, a story involving the Scarecrow who, as you may remember, used the gas to give various illusions and nightmarish visions. And anyway, this particular story, I'd be about nine, maybe ten, uh, it opened up with Batman and Robin uh, ascending from the Batcave or descending through the Batcave, I can't remember how it went, and the elevator doors open, and there's a horde of wild animals uh, waiting for them. And, of course, Batman knows that uh, it's all an illusion because you've got elephants, lions, tigers, leopards. And they asked him, you know, Robin asked him, you know, how did you know that this was an illusion? Well, Robin, everything else came from Africa, apart from the tiger, which comes from India. In school, a couple of weeks later, um, we were asked a question, right, what's wrong with this sentence? I was in Africa. There were, you know, uh, lions, tigers, um, Bears, all oh the my. rest of it. And I put my hand up and they said, you know, it's a tiger. Tigers belong in India. And the teacher asked me, how did you know? And I didn't tell her. I had at least that presence of mind. But in retrospect, I should never have opened my mouth in the first place because it still got me beaten up outside. <laughs> it opens up a whole range of things. Of course, that Londonian thing we're not looking at today, but it was a three-parter. I think the only three-parter I can recall in the, in the full three seasons uh, and, of course, featured well, a whole range of... There was one with the Zodiac crimes in season two involving the Joker. Ah, well, there we are, you see. Clearly, yeah. you, you have been reviewing this particular thing most extensively, which obviously is a, is a good source I of material. Have, Probably I you have, have it on Blu-ray. I've got it on Blu-ray, and I watched the Batgirl episode and the presentation reel just before we came on it. Oh, you see, catch, cutting edge. Um, looked at from the perspective of 2020, I suppose the one thing that also strikes me, and I think... It, it's excusable to a certain extent. You have, apart from Drusilla the librarian, Elizabeth Harrower, just Yvonne Craig, that's it. It's an all-white, all-male cast. I love the henchmen, actually have henchmen written over yeah. themselves, so you know that they're henchmen. Um, I, I suppose, again, for, from that perspective, you would say, yeah, okay. I mean, and or, although television in America was racially diverse it was opening up a few things it was a slow but sure step-by-step -step approach and i think I, I seem to recall a story in which this was originally being touted as, as possibly a batgirl spin-off series in which she would have gone up against killer moth which would have echoed her first appearance in the dc comics uh, as far as the actual thing was concerned sadly we never got to see it happen well um the presentation reel that they filmed for batgirl um it wasn't the exact story where she was introduced in detective comics 359 december january 66 um where she accidentally becomes batgirl because she's on a way she, she's going to a fancy dress party and um stumbles onto an attempt at kidnapping of bruce wayne it is america let's face it yeah 
she's already in costume, so she's studied judo and all the rest of it. You know, um, the, the, the perpetrator there was Killamoth, who wanted to bag himself a millionaire. And of course, the um, presentation reel also had Killamoth trying to kidnap a millionaire. It only ran about seven minutes, but it was, it was effective. And I thought it was more effective and a little less crazy and random than the penguin wanting to marry Barbara Gordon. Get so police immunity, have... which he obviously wouldn't have had in the first place because they wouldn't have actually recognised immunity because there would have been conflict of interests. Oh, Pengi, what did you do? But, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that it was an all-white cast. And I, I've noticed that in the 60s that there were very, very few people in any comic book who weren't white. Um, I remember noticing in Marvel Comics before DC, but that may be the circumstance, when they had street scenes, they would start to add some people of different, different ethnic origins. DC, who were a little bit more sort of button-down collar and business-like, Madison took Avenue. a little bit longer. Sorry? Madison Avenue. Mad yes. Men, Madison Avenue, and the approach that comes there. Well, uh, uh, an interesting so, series. You know, they weren't in. They, they weren't showing anybody in the comics. I mean, if they had anybody who was, for example, Chinese in the comics, they would always be a villain, unless they were Kato. In <laughs> in the same way as, and I'm not virtue signaling here, but certainly uh, most folk, uh, if they were if they were white and in British comics. Uh, they would be villainous if they were German. Obviously, all Germans were villains. That's right, uh, yes. And, and so on and so forth. So, again, that, yeah. that's another issue. Um, I come back to my favourite quote of this, and it is, it's Alfred's emergency belt buckle back call signal. He's in trouble. I mean, it's just, it's genius. And I defy anybody yeah. to actually watch the, the thing without actually appreciating the, uh, the sort of aspect. When, of course, Alfred is having a, a meeting with the minister to talk about the uh, upcoming uh, social that the church are actually looking to, to organise. Yes, and so to um, fund the, the, the country holiday for some of the local orphans. Yeah. Uh, plus factor, though, of course, given that we're talking about an era where slowly but surely equal rights, emancipation for women are beginning to come around. I think Yvonne Craig does a very, very credible job in terms of actually not just kicking butt, literally and figuratively, but actually um, developing a good sort of role model. Yes, she's no Emma Peel, and certainly I think uh, her stance with hands on hips probably owes a lot to Peter Pan, actually, and her ballet training, where she sort of smashes through doors and has hands on, on hips. Yes, and she announces her presence. Um, she deliberately... She doesn't didn't... slap her thigh, though. You know, I mean, that girl here, who, as you can see, is, is keeping weather eye out on our, on our proceedings, she yes. would actually sort of say, you maybe need to slap your thigh as well. So there we are. She's green. Green from that point of view. Um, the visual lines there. If we ever take this to YouTube, who knows? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, y Yvonne Craig decided consciously that she didn't want to go the Emma Peel route. She didn't want to be Diana Rigg and do the throws. She wanted to use more of her ballet, which gave her this kind of perpetual high kicking. I mean, she fought like, like you know, somebody had opened up the London Palladium on a Sunday night. Um, but it was also, it was very elegant. 
But one thing I did notice was that the costume changed slightly from the comics version in that she had basically like a little handbag on her utility belt to keep her weapons in, um, which... She also has... And also a superpower of being able to be a quick change artist par, par excellence, because the way she, she can, changes... She from can the... change into a wedding dress in about 15 seconds. Exactly. Phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I thought that the but speed at which... There that I thought, why? I mean, she's got her, her own bat cycle, and it's got little sort of lace frills all over it. Mm. I mean... <laughs> well, it's... it's you know, and she, she has a pet. Uh, plus, of course... Yes, we, we have the, the notion of the dynamic duo themselves, Batman and Robin, uh, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, and of course, as we mentioned by Adam West and Burt Ward, who managed to, and again, this is, this is just a minor point, but from the moment Commissioner Gordon receives the call from Penguin that his daughter has been kidnapped, uh, to him actually contacting the dynamic duo in the Batcave, which I think is 14 miles away from Gotham City at best yes. speed, Fairly rapid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're talking. What, what was he doing? <laughs> exactly. I mean, if and somebody the, actually the who was like, the... saying, "What does it mean, Bruce?" I mean, he doesn't know. He's a playboy millionaire. Exactly. And and, and clearly, the, the the line of getting back to the, to the Batcave and working through that uh, that whole process. I suppose there was a nod in the direction of speed, insofar as the gift that Dick Grayson receives from his uh, guardian, Bruce Wayne, at the end, a bright Red Robin uh, vehicle of that is, is also. Yes. Um, clearly, there is the, the nod in the direction of a good citizen, obviously puts the welfare of the highway code or the highway code right at the heart of everything, really. Very, very good indeed. Very what about yourself, Robin? Any particular quotes that initially sprang to mind you thought, it, it, either it's a case of it's so preposterous you have to smile because I defy anybody to actually look at Enter Batgirl, Exit Penguin, or indeed any of the Batman series. And we'll be, oh, as the months proceed, we'll be returning back to it every so often. Um, but I think it, it, it does it does leave you with a feel good factor. Even even Penguin's sort of line about marrying me would have been pure bliss. Can't imagine such bliss. Oh yes. At the end. Um, I overall. I think it's quite a weak episode and a weak introduction um, because the formula was beginning to fray. When Batman was introduced, it was like a breath of fresh air. Nobody had ever seen anything like it. Nobody had ever seen a weekly series that went out over two nights in two parts. If only they'd got Jill St. John back. That's what they needed. Jill St. John oh, to actually do the Batusi. But what a way to go, go. Um, by season two, I think the formula was wearing a little bit thin. By season three, of course, they abandoned it altogether, made away with the vast majority of the cliffhanger endings, brought in Batgirl so that the dynamic duo could become the terrific trio with the addition of the Domino Air doll. And of course, wow. we, all, we, we also had the sad loss, apart from one cameo appearance she makes actually in the uh, forthcoming, uh, or the, the, the subsequent episode featuring the Riddler, the Riddler of um, uh, Aunt Harriet. Uh, yes. she, she effectively is, is, is bundled off. Yes. Yeah. But she Which was introduced um, after the Frederick Burton seduction of the innocent 
all kind of course. Of cerebral you, and you can't have any suggestions like that. that you have shenanigans of any shape no. or form going on between a uh, two two blokes living independently or living by in some sort of mansion it's not going to work through that so let's let's no. step away um i'm going to jump in straight away and say i'm i would give Batgirl or Enter Batgirl Exit Penguin, the season three, episode one episode uh, of Batman 66, um, eight and a half out of ten. I'm going to be I'm going to say eight and a half out of ten because I did like it. And I think Yvonne Craig is, is cracking. Um, and I also think, actually, as I said, the actors all pull out the stops, even the henchmen. They, they all sort of work well from that point of view. You believe them from, from that perspective. Um, of course, actually, from a from a kind of a mortality point of view, I think there's really only Burt Ward who's probably still functioning just about, really. Everybody else has, has gone From to the back cave in the sky. episode, there's just Burt Ward, yeah. but overall, there's Burt Ward and there is Julie Newmar. Of course, yes. And uh, if you include the movies, of course, uh, Lee Merriweather is still around in terms of the other Catwoman, yeah. so... Good yes. stuff from her. We might concentrate on her when we're looking at the time tunnel. Not in a strange, pervy way. We're not that kind of show, honestly. No, um, no. So, so, Robin, what would you provide for the opening one? Very significant one here. It's kind of launched us into the whole system. What score would you give it out of 10? I you don't have to give it any score, really, but, you know, if you, if you will. No, 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 no. I will give it a score, of course. I would give this, at most, a 7 out of 10. And the reason that it gets a 7 out of 10 is that, in my opinion, Yvonne Craig is still the best screen Batgirl we had seen. Alicia Silverstone came close. Oh. And, and I'd also get in plug for Tara Strong as the, her voice of Batgirl in this little number, which I think oh, is something we might well consider as well from the animated uh, yes. subsequent thing. Uh, uh, the animated absolutely. series, of course. Uh, and it's the killing joke, in case you're looking ahead to that. Uh, but there you go. It's uh, stuff that's coming up as far as Rewind Resonance, Resonance Rewind is concerned. Um, Robin will have the social media. I'm sure he'll work through that next week, of course, because these are weekly shows, although we might do a, a batch of the Who knows? But we will be welcoming our first ever uh, young guest to the programme uh, in terms of one of the things we're looking to do is maybe invite some of our uh, students and graduates from the University of Lincoln and elsewhere, of course, uh, to maybe actually uh, have a look at one of these things and share with us their thoughts on uh, first-time experiences because clearly we come to it uh, both Robin and myself from the, the line of we remember it fondly because of the nostalgia angle. We might have appreciated it then. So we maybe have a certain amount of bias, which is actually there. And maybe in the current world in which we're living in, you know, you could argue, yes, well, it's just like comfort food. It's comfort food for comic book geeks to actually watch the Batman series. I will admit, I actually this afternoon, after having uh, a couple of sessions online in terms of training at the University of Lincoln and various other aspects, I followed the Enter Batgirl uh, Exit uh, Penguin uh, line with an episode of The Monkeys second series. So there we are, keeping the 60s wow. theme going. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that pretty much wraps up this particular side of things. We haven't really got a slogan as yet to wrap up with, so we'll work on that. Although I do think, actually, one of the quotes from the actual thing itself is probably uh, advisable. It's simply Robin's, not the longest holy, because that was holy priceless collection of Etruscan snoods, but it's holy complications. So, shall we say after three, Robin? One, two, three. Holy complications. <laughs>